Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. My name is Ryan Miner. You are listening to A Minor Detail, brought to you by the Change Montgomery County Radio Network. And tonight is a special election edition of the show, and we're going to be talking about the Democratic debate last night. And I, I asked a, a group of panelists, all six of them, to studiously, studiously watch the debate, take copious notes, and to uh, offer their valued and sage perspective, perspective on the show tonight. And uh, if you've listened to these kind of listened to these shows before, you know that they often get rowdy. And look, I'm a Republican, and I have like, I, you know, I invited like liberal Democrats on the show that are probably going to vehemently oppose everything that I say. But nonetheless, we are going to have a lot of fun tonight. All of you are dear friends of mine, and uh, you are uh, your uh, your opinions are valued. They're often very thoughtful, and they make me think about issues, which is most important is that issues, 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 and they matter. So I'm just going to run down the line quickly, and I'm going to have each of you introduce yourself. So, Andrew, um, just I'm going to start with you. Just introduce yourself a little bit about uh, politics and, and and how we know each other. Sure. Well, my name is Andrew Nearing. I co-founded and serve as managing partner at Avenel Strategies. Um, I've worked on a couple of campaigns here in Maryland with David Craig, uh, David Brinkley, and worked across the country um, along with me and my firm. So it's great to be here, and thanks for having me, Ryan. I have the most independent candidate ever that is running for the United States House of Representatives and Maryland's 8th Congressional District. Liz Matori, you're up. Hello. Um, nice to meet everybody virtually. It's Liz Matori. I'm <laughs> D.C. <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I'm D.C. native. Um, as Ryan said, I'm running um, as an independent, unaffiliated candidate for the 8th Congressional, one of the many um, gerrymandered districts in our great state of Maryland. Looking forward to the conversation. Thanks, Liz. Ed Marks, you are up. My name is Ed Marks. I've been active in politics for over 40 years. I started with George McGovern's campaign in 1972, and it's gotten better or worse depending on your perspective since. I also served a term on the Democratic Central Committee. Um, I met Ryan at a dinner of Democrats, of all things. And um, That's right. And um, so I'm active in Democratic politics here in Washington County at this point in my life, so I look forward to hearing everybody's perspective and participating. Thanks, Ed. All right, Aaron Salvatore, you are up. Hey, I'm Aaron Salvatore. Um, I first got, got um, interested in politics back in uh, 2007 um, when I first heard Ron Paul speak, um, and I started campaigning for him and his campaign back in 08 and 2012. And um, you know, I'm I'm just a stay-at-home mom and a caregiver, but I'm, you know, I'm a libertarian, and I'm here, looking forward to speaking with everybody. That's awesome. Okay, Beth Rowland, you are up. 
Yes, I'm starting to feel like the oldest one here because my introduction to politics was campaigning for George McGovern <laughs> and, and a guy named Bill Strong um, who uh, was running for Senate in the state of Virginia. And if all y'all look in your history books, you'll remember that didn't turn out too well for Democrats. That was uh, four more years with Tricky Dick. And then I think the country realized they made a big boo-boo. Um, Sort of off and on in politics, I guess most recently was I campaigned for Brian Poffenberger in Washington County and then left Washington County for the wilds of Berkeley Springs, West by God, Virginia, where we live now. Wild and wonderful. Awesome. Okay. Thanks, Beth. Uh, Tim Boston, you're up. Hi, everybody. My name is Timothy Boston. Um, I'm the founder and entertainment publicist with Christopher Boston PR. I'm also a licensed real estate associate with Long and Foster Realtors. Um, I am a registered Republican and native Annapolitan here, um, and I've always enjoyed participating and being involved in political, non-political issues in the area. Awesome. All right, let's get started. Thank you, panel. Uh, we will. I'm going to moderate this thing, and um, so if you're having uh, your cocktail now, go ahead and take a drink. Uh, because we're probably <laughs> we're going to need it. Really see us? I got my bottle of water with me. <laughs> yeah, well, even, even better. So, um, okay, so let's start out. We had five candidates that showed up to the debate, and we'll just go ahead and get the uh, the 500-pound uh, donkey or elephant, as you will, out of the uh, out of the picture. Joe Biden wasn't there because we don't know whether Joe Biden is going to run for president, and after, and that'll be a question that we'll talk about towards the end of the debate based upon what we heard last night. Is there room for Joe Biden in this campaign? We'll hold off on that question, but he was not there. I think they kept his podium warm. Uh, he didn't show up, and um, personally, I'll just add this as a uh, as as the moder as the moderator's flexibility. I think Joe Biden would be a great candidate, and he should run. That's all I'm going to say now. Absolutely. I think I think Joe Biden should I run. Um, I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, I think well, that he would. the apple carts, but he should run. We should have a full-choice selection of candidates. Absolutely. So we had five candidates. I, I think Joe Biden would. Go ahead. I think Joe Biden would actually be doing the Democratic um by the, the election right now, there to me, there isn't a really, really strong, strong candidate that is um, actually running at the moment. So um, I think he would actually be helping them out by entering the race. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about the candidates now that are actually in the race. So starting um, from the outer corners of the the the, the candidates on the on the, if you're looking at the at the stage, let's start with Jim Webb, who was the a former senator. Um, and he was elected in 2006. Didn't run again. And he worked. In, he was the. Um, he fought in Vietnam. He was a Marine. Uh, once a Marine, always a Marine. And he spent uh, years as the Assistant Secretary of Defense um, and uh, Secretary of the Navy in the Reagan administration. And I do believe. I think Jim Webb was a former Republican. I'm not sure. Yeah, he um, sounded like one. I think he was. Yeah. Okay. He served as Secretary of the Navy under Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So then, but he okay. was a Democrat then. He was a yeah. So then we had um, Senator Bernie Sanders from Vermont. Of course, we had Hillary Clinton, who was former Secretary of State and former First Lady, former United States Senator from New York. 
then we have uh, we have Governor Martin O'Malley, uh, and then we had um, Lincoln Chafee, who was uh, a former United States senator, mayor, and governor of one of my favorite states in the Union, Rhode Island, because I love spending time in Newport, Rhode Island. And uh, Lincoln Lincoln Chafee, uh, we'll get to that, whatever that was. But uh, <laughs> so let's start. <laughs> They had some opening statements, and um, mm-hmm. um, interestingly enough, they started with Mr. Shafee, um, Governor Shafee, because I think that they take their recent title because he was a governor, senator, whatever. Um, so he said, not only are Americans electing a new president <coughs> next year, we're also electing a new uh, world leader. I've been a mayor, a United States senator, and a governor. Uh, he's been... As governor, he turned his state around, you know, what they tell you. Uh, He's proud of his uh, 30 years of public service, which is like every reason not to vote for this guy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Oh, and he emphasized emphasized that he had never had any scandals, aside from maybe the occasional drip of the toothpaste on his lapel, Um, and he he has high ethical standards. So let's start. I want to go right to you, Beth Rowland. What what is Lincoln Shafee doing running for president of the United States? I, I you know I'm I'm a Democrat, and I think the more in the field, the better. But yeah. I I think he's a gadfly, and I I personally thought you know if you want to make aspersions about Hillary's issues and others, say it straight up. Let's not tap dance around how I've never had. I've never said a bad word in my life. You know, I just thought it was so disingenuous. But a couple of times I looked, I thought he looked like he wasn't entirely there. You yeah. know, he was trying desperately to keep up. Um, I mean, I want a field in the Democratic, uh, on the Democratic side, but I'd like it to be a really viable candidate. And, I mean, I, I can't imagine. Maybe I, perhaps he, too, was jockeying for a position as a running mate. But I, I can't believe that he was completely serious. Well, I think Andrew, this was like tryouts and auditions for who wants to be a vice president. Yeah, Andrew Nairn, mm-hmm. you analyze politics for a living, and you work with candidates. Is there any strategic advantage that, uh, or electoral advantage um, for a Lincoln Shafee on a national ticket? Uh, from what I can see, from what I saw him, that was the first time I'd seen him until you know last night, or right. even heard of him. I. I don't think he's very formidable. I mean, I know he tried to emphasize the no scandal, you know, 30 years public service, I voted against this, I voted against that. But just because you did that and just because you haven't had any scandals doesn't make you qualified to be president of the United States. And, you know, I know he was a governor. And I know he was a governor, and he has the executive leadership, might be one of the only governors up there, uh, besides Governor O'Malley, but we all know how well of a job he did here in Maryland. So, But, you know, I, I don't think there's there's anything there for him. I think it would just be best if he just kind of went away. <laughs> okay, let's move on to Jim. Let's move on to Jim Webb. Uh, Jim Webb opened up, there's, and he said, they're, we're looking, they're looking for a leader who understands how the system works. Uh, he has a record of working across the political aisle. He spent more than half of his professional life away from politics and the independent world of being an author, a journalist, and a sole proprietor. Uh, in government service, he fought and bled for uh, our nation in Vietnam as a Marine. He spent years as the Assistant Secretary of Defense. Uh, and in the Senate, he spoke about economic fairness and worked on 
voters' education vet, – I'm sorry, veterans' education legislation um, and the post-9-11 GI Bill. Um, and then he talked about his wife who came to this country as a refugee from the war-torn Vermont. He has uh, five daughters, a dog, a goldfish, and a pet <coughs> named Scooby. Um, and he said that in his administration – the highest priority will be the working people who every day go out and make this country stronger at home. Ed Marks, what do you, what's your take on uh, Jim Webb? Well, as a person, I think he's an outstanding individual, and I respect certainly his service in Vietnam. I think he's a man of very high integrity. He's certainly very gracious. What I noted was that um, he was asked about Bernie Sanders' alleged pacifism, and he said he wasn't going to make a judgment about him. And he believed that to individual voters, and he just handled himself very well. I think he did a great job as Secretary of the Navy. I do remember his work there. And um, I think I saw him as being a little bit stiff, um, a little bit phlegmatic, very um, – he didn't seem very relaxed. I don't – I think his views on some issues are out of step with the Democratic Party. Um I don't. I don't think he turned the crowd on particularly. Um, I did recently about him today about he was actually involved in hand-to-hand combat in Vietnam. We have to respect him as a veteran who really did put his life on life for the country. But I don't see him catching on. Yeah. And I don't think he's he's going to catch on with the Democratic electorate. Well, I think he's standing at like one or two percent in the polls. And not only that, do you, if you remember back to 2006 when they had the. Uh, when the Bush administration was had, was having a meltdown, and that's when they lost Congress and Democrats took control. Nancy Pelosi became Speaker, and Harry Reid became the Senate Majority Leader. And um, Jim Webb upset um, uh, George Allen, the former governor of uh, the state of Virginia. Right. And George Allen was sure. a United States senator. And, I mean, it came down to the wire, and he beat him. And that, nobody thought yep. really George Allen was going to lose. But if you remember, George Allen the had that the Macaca moment. And that was a national blunder of epic proportions. And, it, I mean, it's almost become a verb. Uh, and um, that's – yeah, and, and that's how Jim Webb rose up in public service. So I want to move on. Um Liz, I would I would typically go to you, but I want to hear – you're a Marylander like most of us are on this panel. Um, I, I want to go to you, Aaron Salvatore, because you're not from Maryland. Where are you from, Aaron? Uh-uh. Go ahead. Uh, well, I'm from Jersey originally, but I live in North Carolina right now. Okay, so you are our southern friend down south, yeah. and we, we welcome you. Martin Thank O'Malley. You. Martin O'Malley was the former um, mayor of Baltimore, former governor. Uh, he he just finished his term as governor, um, lifelong Democrat, and he said most importantly he's a husband and a father. He has four kids. Um, he's been in office, like I said, since 1999 or when he ran for the mayor of Baltimore. And what what's your take on Governor O'Malley, Aaron? Um, I don't know. He, like – he really kind of fell by the wayside a little bit when when I was watching the debate. I mean, the whole thing to me was just, it was a circus. But, um, like, when he was, you know, offering various giveaways to, you know, illegals, and, I mean, just, I mean, I don't know. He, he just kind of, you know, like, with the whole guns, you know, gun issue and everything, him 
saying that um, they should still, you know, people should, the gun manufacturers and and dealers should still be hold, held respond, you know, responsible. Sure, sure. No, I, you know, I, for, I understand. I mean, it, but how? Let me jump in here, Ryan, because I saw one of the funniest things today. I happened to have the TV on in the middle of the day okay. and watched the view. And they were talking about, and having, you know, lived in Maryland, they were talking about, and this is like National Women, it's a women's show, how hot, what a hottie Martin O'Malley uh, is. I heard about they that. that. A photo. They put a photo up of him at the beach yeah. with his shirt on. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and, and, and what do you call that? His abs. <laughs> all I can think of is that one of Putin that goes around all the time. Like Putin, so you know, he always shows himself with his shirt off yeah, and I stuff. And I thought, are the rest of the country just that different than yeah. the rest than how we see it? But yeah, apparently your ex-governor is a hottie. Yeah, put well, <laughs> a thought yeah. it. Blah. Let's record, record anyway, um, now with that, I'm, I'm a Marylander. I, I, I want to break in on Maui. I think he did some good things, and I think, um, I think on the social issues where I stand, I mean, we did, we did get marriage equality in Maryland and rights for transgender people, and I do like his commitment to cleaning up the Chesapeake Bay. You can argue about all the fees and whether they're burdensome or not, but I think it took us in the right direction of really trying to preserve the quality of life in Maryland. Um, and I could see the need to ease some of the regulatory burden that had been placed over the years. So, um, and I know our governor's working on that. So I, so I feel that. But I don't think he was all that bad a governor, really. Well, I want to move so on. That's my own back to. We'll have plenty of time to talk about O'Malley. I appreciate that. Uh, Ed, yeah, I could go uh, on forever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll get to that. I'm try- I want to cover the policy. Um, so, okay, Tim Tim Boston, what what is your take on? Uh, the Clinton factor, you know. What do you think? <laughs> you know, I, I don't. I'm, I'm I'm not sure if I can even take Hillary Clinton serious at this point. I mean, she she stood there and she swore up and down that she's not running just because she's a woman. She swore that she's not running on the basis of her name, and, and then it even got down to the point where she was talking about the guy who. I think Mr. Snowden, who who they asked her if she if he should be prosecuted, et cetera, and 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 her her answer was just absolutely ridiculous because it's almost like she had forgotten that she's actually being accused for doing almost the exact same thing that this man did, and uh, you know, and speaking about Hillary Clinton, that one of the biggest concerns about her running is the fact that. Every single position that she's held, there has been some sort of swirling controversy while she's been in that position. You know, there was controversy when she was the First Lady of the United States, and we all know what that was. You know, there was controversy when she was the United States Senator. There was controversy as Secretary of State. You know, and and it, it appears that she's some kind of way avoided accountability for that. And and this is not someone who I feel comfortable that could potentially be the president of the United States. So I'm really just not really, really sure at this point why she's choosing. I mean, you would think that she would have caught the point last time. Like, no no one voted for her four years ago. Like, she lost four years ago. Well, well, no, well some people did voice. vote for her. She almost won See, the primary. A lot of people voted for her. Many, many eight? people voted for her. Well, we're going to have plenty of time to talk about Hillary Clinton, so I want to move on. To, <laughs> I want to I want to move on to Barty Sanders, the, the Democrat. Huge. Socialist. 
uh, from Vermont. <laughs> so, Liz, Liz Matori, what is your take on um, Senator Sanders in this race, and what do you think his uh, campaign means uh, for many Democrat voters? Uh, yeah, actually, um, I felt really bad because I, I was like, I was wondering if he's related to Louis Black, you know, because he has like a very, like, <laughs> you know, like I love What about his Black. use of Quagmire? He's from Baltimore. <laughs> Quagmire. Like, he's great. Quagmire. But, uh, but um, you know, I think that, if anything, um, he is a traditional liberal, and um, we don't have, like, you know, before when I spoke about the word uh, progressive and liberal, he actually is a like an actual liberal um, and not just someone that just puts that label just to look cool. Um, he really, has, I think he believes it um, in his bones, and I think that that's very uh, commendable. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, most of the country, um, if you think O'Malley is too liberal for the rest of the country, I think, the rest, I mean, Bernie Sanders is 20 million times um, farther. But, he's a, I mean, I think Democrats like him because of his passion. Um, yeah. And um, some of his great ideas, but I mean, in their view. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, if you go, if, if O'Malley's too far, then I mean, gee, I mean, what what's Bernie? What do you think? Yeah. That, do you think that I'm looking at? Okay, so I'm looking at the 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 heart and soul of the Democratic Party, and I'm looking at the 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 heart and soul of the Republican Party, whatever the hell that might be right now, because I don't know what it is. Okay, uh, <laughs> did you define that? Yeah, I, whatever. So, I mean, it's like, who is pissed off at who today? That's the heart and soul of the Republican Party. I, it, I, no, I don't mean to disparage well, you, you, the party. You know, that, but but that makes the distinction. If you look, there's a, such a contrast between the way the Democrats debate it and the way the Republicans Amen. debate it. Oh, yeah, Amen. I agree with that. You got added the discussion on issues. You, you you didn't hear the kind of ad hominem attacks. You didn't hear people coming calling each other names and trying to say who can come up with who can say the most outrageous thing. And most importantly, you didn't have people feeling the hate. Oh, and that's because you didn't have Donald Trump. Trump. You had an assault to hate. The Democrats they all are on each other. There's so no real daylight. That's what you have to do in the Republican like debates. Okay, so I want to go. I, I don't really know about. Okay, I want to I want to keep going. I know I appreciate that. It's hard with, sometimes with radio, but we're going to manage this. Liz, you've been part of these panels before, and we just keep we just keep moving. Um, so okay, um, I'm looking at the the transcript, and I'm just I'm looking at uh, okay. So blah 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 blah. Anderson Cooper. By the way, let's real quick let's address Anderson Cooper. I thought he was fantastic last night. I don't know about you guys. I thought he did. I thought he did a good job. I thought he was good. Yeah. yeah. Guns were blazing as soon as he opened the question up to Hillary. That was. Oh exactly yeah, well. I love that. <laughs> I have to admit, I, I, I expected a pillow fight with questions, but I will say he, yeah. he raised a good point. Anderson Cooper pleasantly surprised me, and and look, I don't have any beef with Anderson Cooper as a journalist. In fact, I think he's one of the the, the quality people that are now in journalism. Uh, he's done a great job. His questions, I love how he followed up. If they did not answer the question, he said, "Look, you didn't answer my question. I, I I'd, I'd like to have Absolutely. an answer to that." Um, he was he was professional, and uh, I I think that he, that was the perfect person to moderate a CNN. Democratic debate, and I don't think that he could have done a better job. And the other, uh, the other moderators that were there, and the, the 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 supplementary people, they also did a good job. And I think all around they had total control of the debate. I mean, of course, candidates will go 
over their time limits, and they agreed to the rules of the debate. And like you heard Jim Webb say like 25 times, oh, I just want some time. And it's like, okay, well, step up and take it. Um, so yeah, He whined a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I want to start. Aaron Salvatore, um, they started out by asking Secretary Clinton, Hillary Clinton, um, they said plenty of pol- – Anderson said plenty of politicians evolve on issues, but even some Democrats believe you change your position based on political expediency because, as we know, Hillary Clinton was against same-sex marriage. Now she's for it. She's defended mm-hmm. the president's immigration policies. Now she says they're too harsh. She supported his trade deal a dozen times, and she even called it the gold standard. And now suddenly, just as of last week – Hillary Clinton is against it. Anderson asked uh, Secretary Clinton, will you say anything to get elected? So Aaron Salvatore, will, <laughs> does Hillary Clinton say anything to get elected? Absolutely. Of course. Uh, without a doubt. Oh, yeah. I mean, her, She's a politician, <laughs> sure. She changes her stances on issues like she changes underwear. I mean, like, I mean, you know, and it's so funny how she pulled the the woman card. You know, she pulled the the woman card as soon as possible, as soon as she could last night. Well, I mean, um, she said that no, I like that. You know, she says that I have a range of views, but they're rooted in my values and experience. And I don't take a backseat to anyone when it comes to progressive experience and progressive commitment. And look, Tim Boston, when she – as Secretary of State and when she was running for her first her first presidential campaign, Hillary Clinton was, I would say, almost a hawk when it comes to foreign policy. Would you agree? I, I would agree with that. You know, she definitely has she, – she definitely is very strong – in the areas of foreign policy. However, as Commander-in-Chief and President of the United States, you need a little bit more than that. Uh, you, need, you need a little bit more than having a strength or strong suit in foreign, you know, in foreign policy. And I just I have a really, really, really big problem, as Anderson Cooper said, that one minute she takes a position on this issue, and the minute her, she begins to drop in the polls a little bit, she changes her position. And, uh, you know, this this does not really, like I said, this does not really appear to be someone who we can entrust with with the work of, you know, having the highest job in the land. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm not very convinced of that. Um, well, I'm so going to go to, I'm going to go to Beth Rowland and Anderson Cooper asked Hillary Clinton. He said, just for the record, are you a, prog- a progressive or a moderate? Beth, what's the difference between a progressive and a moderate, and how do you classify yourself? Yeah, I would definitely uh, uh, call myself a progressive, but like Hillary Clinton also said, but a progressive who wants to get things done. Being as the old uh, saw goes, a Democrat, a Democrat means you don't belong to any organized party. So there's, you know, all over the place. But the progressive is knocking in the neighborhood of Bernie, but understands realities about accomplishing things that Bernie would probably never be able to accomplish. Yeah. Um, I see our uh, Mrs. Clinton as being. Um, see, I, I, I'm thinking of what people have said here, flip-flopping. I see that as evolution. <laughs> I see that as evolving on the issues. My personal views on a number of social issues, in particular, have evolved. 
I'm glad people evolved. I don't. But I don't see. I think it comes down like your own to merit. She evolved. She evolved way too Pardon quickly, me? though. Yeah, on, I mean, yeah. Let's keep, right. let's keep the, the conversation on pace. Um, Beth, I want well, you to finish. I, your I can't hear the. No, no, no. Pardon I want. Beth, get, go ahead and finish. I was your getting thought. lost there. I couldn't hear what what folks were saying. It fuzzes up That's a okay. little bit. That's okay. Um, well, I, um, wanna... so I, I can't. Sorry, guys. I I couldn't hear what you were saying in response to it. But you know, I applaud people that evolve and reevaluate. Um, I think Hillary has had a bad problem, just in perception. I think last night turned the corner for a lot of people who saw her. The big money in the Democratic Party is going to come back to her yeah. very quickly. Yeah. I think they I were think holding so. back, waiting for Uncle Joe. But I think that's the turning point. Yeah, okay, let's move on. Let's move on to Senator Sanders. Uh, Senator Sanders, there was a Gallup poll that says that half of the country would not put a socialist in the White House. Ed Marks, is Senator Sanders, is he the socialist that we think that he is, or as he described, what's the difference between a socialist and a democratic socialist? Well, a democratic socialist, at least as I understand Bernie Sanders defines it, is um, basically looking at looking at the distribution of wealth in this country, and it's not so much confiscating wealth and distributing it among people who have less than they do, but but basically stop the 1% from sucking all the air out of the economy. What he wants to do, if you remember what he said, was he wants to help entrepreneurs get started. He wants to give everyone a chance to earn and to and, and to acquire wealth through their work and everything, and that's what he was very clear about that. He does, you know, he, he, he's more of a, I guess socialism for him is more of a Scandinavian model. And it's democratic because he believes in people participating in the system and electing people to public office. He's not for a dictatorship of the proletariat. He's not a communist. That's what I would, I mean, that's what a dictatorial type of socialist would be for me. Well, I appreciate um, that. Um, I want to move on. Andrew Nairing, uh Bernie Sanders mentioned <coughs> last night that there are some principles that he believes in. And he said he should that we, as the United States of America, should take a look to countries like Denmark and Sweden and Norway. And just like Ed said, there's that Norwegian form of socialism. Andrew, is Norwegian form of socialism like Denmark, Sweden, and Norway, is that an economic model that could be applied to the United States with a presidential candidate? Um, I don't. I think that is too small of a number over there. I mean, Denmark has a population of what five to nine million people. Yeah, five point so, six million. You know, try, yeah, trying to you know use that kind of economic model here, where we have you know well over three hundred million people. I can see where we're going to you know run into what he says a quagmire and a quagmire. But <laughs> you know, I I want to believe that we can give free college and all these free things, but. You know, at the end of the day, you know, we got to be realistic about what, you know, the economy and what America can afford. You know, we can barely afford what we're doing now and adding just more and more and more and taking on more. It's It becomes a burden not just to the United States but to all the taxpayers. So I think, right. like you said, there is some middle ground to be made on what we can do fiscally here in the United States. But I think we need to be realistic and not compare countries that have a population, you know, less than the state of Vermont. Um, Anderson Cooper followed that up, and almost to your point, Andrew, that the Republican attack ads will write themselves in the general election. He supported the Sandinistas in Nicaragua. He honeymooned in the Soviet Union, uh, and just this weekend he said that he wasn't a capitalist. Liz Matori, um, if you said any of those things 
running for the United States House of Representatives, do you think you'd have a hard time winning? Um, I don't, I wouldn't have, I don't even know why you, um, honeymoon in the Soviet Union. I, and then when it was Soviet, I don't, I don't get that part. That's the part that I was like, what? No, it's gorgeous. But, you know, yeah, no, but it's, it's interesting. I think, um, you know, now I was listening to everybody talk over a couple of uh, minutes ago, and it's interesting. I, I knew that the Republican Party, um, had been um, having trouble finding their footing, but I think after, you know, the last, um, last night and even tonight, you know, the Democratic Party also is um, is having a reset as well. Uh, if you right. all remember, like, in the, in the Clinton era, the Clintons actually brought the, the Democratic Party to them, um, and they did kind of like a, a reconfiguration um, with the Obama administration, um, and so that's why everybody's, like, running around saying that they're progressive because, um, you know, our, our values um, as a country kind of shifted um particularly with gay marriage. Gay marriage, uh, exponentially, I mean, anybody who changed their opinion on gay marriage was a, it was a profound shift. Um, I did. That shouldn't be like, you know, ex exactly. And I think that the entire country with me, who did change their <laughs> opinion, um, some people didn't change their opinion, um, it, was a, it was a very, um, um, it, was a, it was a huge moment in time. So yeah, I think so to say that, you know, Hillary just was a part of that, um, that transition, just like um, some of, the, uh, of our country. Yeah, okay. Let, thank you so much, Liz. That's fantastic. Um, so I want to go on. Um, I want to go to, let's see, I'm moving down the, the transcript. Um, so Senator Sanders, uh, they were they're talking about um, basically the economic model. And he even admitted, Tim, Tim Boston, that he's not a capitalist. Do you think that that comment alone was a defining moment in that debate? You know, I think what we saw there is, I think we saw Mr. San Senator Sanders, I think we saw him quickly coming up with an answer that he felt was best that would not lead him into more tough questions following up because he saw how tough uh, Anderson Cooper was. Um, and I, But I think that he answered very, very sincerely. I think he was very honest, uh, but I think he was it was also very strategic in how he answered because he knew that whatever, however he answered, there was going to be something else coming for that. So I, I watched him very carefully. I watched his body language, and he tensed up a little bit when – I don't know if anybody else saw that, but he definitely tensed up when they began to ask him uh, that question there. So I think that there was a defi definitely a reason, specific reason, maybe strategic reason why and how he answered those, that question and those related questions. Yeah, they were talking about electability, and then they got – and then Anderson Cooper, he switched directions, and he went over to Lincoln Chafee, uh, former governor of Rhode Island, and he said, um, you know, he's been everything – Lincoln Chafee has been everything but a socialist. He was a senator from Rhode Island, and he used to be a Republican. I mean, he was sort of that classic New England Republican, but, I mean, a little bit more so than, say, Olivia Snow or Susan Collins or – um, um, uh, the Republicans up in New Hampshire that I know of, and he said so. Lincoln Chafee, just a fun fact, he's been a Democrat for a little more than just two years. And Anderson Cooper asked Chafee, "Why should Democratic voters trust you? Why should Democratic voters trust you that you won't change again?" So I want to ask you, Beth Rowland, do you trust Lincoln Chafee? 
Oh, of course not. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, the short answer is, of course not. Like I said, I think he's a bit of a gadfly. I think he's fun. I mean, you've got to admit, at least the Democrats are fun. Um, And and I'm not quite even sure why he's there. I mean, wouldn't you like to sit down with him and say, why are you doing this? Because he has been all over the place. I don't think he brings a lot to the table. I certainly don't see any evidence of kind of what I consider to be core Democratic values. That, that I see in the other people on that stage, which is giving a voice to people in this country who don't have a voice, but I don't see that. So I kind of personally wondered, why is he here? You know, yeah. what, what's going on? And as I said, I think maybe he was auditioning for, a, you know, the, uh, the understudy kind of role. Um, yeah. I, I haven't heard him explain anywhere, and you can't just go by what's on the debate. You got to look at websites. You got to pay attention sure. to the rest of it. I, I really have not heard a lucid reason why he thinks he should be president over the other candidates, whether they be Democratic or Republican. It, it's just I, like he's there. He's just there. Yeah, it's he's like there. he's filling in. He's filler. Yeah, I said that yeah, last night. Right. Oh, I said that last night. That um, he was Brian, can I say something about that? Yeah, sure. Um, I want to go to Ed. Um, I actually want to go yeah, to Ed. Um, well, one of the things is that you have to remember about politicians. Politicians are used being center of attention. They get very impressed with themselves. And they like to be the center of attention, not as, you know, not as much as someone like Donald Trump has got to be center stage, or for that matter. But they, they, they really do get impressed with themselves. But the one thing that disturbed me about Lincoln Chafee was that he did the same thing that Mitt Romney's father did, George Romney did in 1968. Remember when That's um, absolutely Lincoln correct, Chafee said, Dad. I, yeah. Let me Okay, on the first day he got this and he had to vote on repeal of Glass-Steagall. Well, he didn't know the heck what it was. It was his first day. Yep. And yep. he would have thought he would have boned up on the issues. Well, what Romney did that killed him in 1968 was that he was brainwashed by Vietnam which destroyed his yeah. front-runner stash and destroyed his right. presidential campaign. So, I mean, basically, Lincoln Chafee seems to be running because he can run, and he wants to be on the stage. That's, that's my interpretation of no, Lincoln and that's And that's a fair interpretation. And I want to move on to Martin O'Malley uh, and, and Governor – I'm sorry, Anderson oh, Cooper. Okay. He was hard on, on Martin Ryan. O'Malley. Yeah. Ryan, sorry, before we go to Governor O'Malley, um, I just wanted to mention this for the Republicans on the on the phone um, and listening. Did you hear um, Governor uh, Chafee say that he had party to leave left. the Republican he Party? Yeah. He had to leave the Republican Party because there was no more space for him in it? Yeah. That really, like, struck me because I think that a lot of, you know, the average Republicans, the moderate Republicans, feel that way. I know they're not going to go to the Democratic Party, um, but um, I just wanted to, to make that um, uh, statement. No, that seems fair. Well the Democrats real, either. Quick, <laughs> um, one of, just real quick, one of the things that I think definitely turned some voters off from Mr. Chaffee yesterday, was last night, was when he literally admitted to voting on issues that he had no idea what he was voting <laughs> about. And, yeah, and, that's and what I just come, said, yeah. He came back and said, you know, well, you know, I just got there and my, my parents were sick and blah, blah, blah. It, it, I, I felt that to be a very, very pitiful excuse for, you know, for admitting that on the very first debate. Yeah. I, so the, all salient points, uh, Anderson Cooper asked Governor Martin O'Malley. Uh, he went in to scrutinize his record, um, and he said that the concerns of voters about you – is that you tout your record as Baltimore's mayor. And as we all know, we saw it. 
the city of Baltimore just this past April exploded in riots and violence in April. The current top prosecutor in Baltimore, also a Democrat, blames Martin O'Malley for his zero-tolerance policies for sowing the seeds of unrest. Why should Americans trust Martin O'Malley with the country when they see what's going on in the city that he ran for more than seven seven years? Aaron Salvatore is someone we're all most of us are like I said we are Marylanders and mm-hmm. we you know we have our opinions about Martin O'Malley based upon Martin O'Malley's leadership as the mayor of Baltimore and as governor of Maryland is he someone that you would look to to lead our country through? Uh, the next four or possibly eight years? No. Absolutely not. No, definitely, not. definitely not. Um, there's, there's, uh, he he just could have he could have handled that. I mean, it was just it was a mess. I mean, and if he can't handle the city of Baltimore with with all that was going on, you know, with a with the riots yeah. and everything, how is he going to handle our country? Well, I mean, of course he wasn't. He wasn't there then. He wasn't he was, there when the riots took place. Oh no! Oh, no. He, yeah. Well, we're talking about some. So Aaron, as our as our libertarianism kicks in, he had some okay, of these. Okay, fair enough. He had some of these I'm zero tolerance. No, no, no. That's fine. He has some of these zero um, zero tolerance policies where he was arresting en masse. Many, many people throughout the city, putting them in jail, clogging oh, our jail no. system, yeah. arresting people for – basically without probable cause, which scares yeah, the ever-loving hell out of me. What do you think yeah, about that? <laughs> oh, no, no way. No way. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Like, I have to I have to apologize because, honestly, I really don't know much about Martin O'Malley. That's um, okay. We know too but, much. Yeah, <laughs> I mean – See, when when you're detaining people, you know, just just left and right, I mean, you know, you have to have probable cause. You can't you can't be going and arresting this that and you know this person. He that was backed person. up by the courts consistently, but what it did to the black community has still. It, I mean, it leads up right up to today. Yeah, it's um, oh, yeah. simply what, what right. was done. Well, that is all I hope Republicans who want to come in with big hammers on all kinds of issues have paid attention to the fact that that kind of an approach does not work. Right, well, but I mean, right. also, and we also know Baltimore City. Baltimore City is was an industrial town that, um, unfortunately, because industry left this country, um, you know, unfortunately, when they say um, if the United States gets a cold, the African-American community gets, um, you know, pneumonia. So, pneumonia. Um, I'm not saying that, um, you know, I don't condone... Uh, his um, no tolerance policies. I know African Americans and progressives, and uh, when they are asked, um, they are um, against the policies that he had created. Um, but Baltimore City, unfortunately, just like Detroit, just like Chicago, um, that anyone who is uh, president of this United States needs to t- to to take a handle on it. Yeah, I want to move on to Senator Webb um, and and Ed Marks. Uh, Senator Webb, this is what Anderson Cooper said to him last night. He called Senator Webb apparently called affirmative action way back in 2006 state-sponsored racism. And in 2010, he wrote an op-ed saying it discriminates against whites. And Anderson asked, given that nearly half the Democratic Party is non-white, are you out of step with the Democratic Party? Ed Marks, as a Democrat, is... Senator Webb, out of step with the Democratic Party. 
Yes, he's on a step with the Democratic Party and that on his attitude and on gun control as well. And that's, I mean, I'm, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, I mean, on both issues, um, he's out of the mainstream. And I think affirmative action is more complicated than just numbers of blacks or numbers of any other protected group versus number of white white males. I mean, there's there's all kind of ways of of handling affirmative action, and um, you can have you can have affirmative action and full inclusion without specifically discriminating against any any person. And I think he sort of took a very shallow and superficial view on the subject. And yeah, I mean, he the, the way he came across is not the way Democrats would think about this issue. Yeah, so yeah, he's I, that, and a couple other issues as well. Fair enough. Let's move on. Uh, some some very pressing issues. Anderson Cooper, uh, the next segment was focused around guns. They talked about the shooting in Oregon uh, earlier this month, and it's brought guns back into the national conversation. Andrew Naring, we went through this similar conversation with policy-wise in Maryland back in 2013 um, in the Maryland General Assembly legislative session when Martin O'Malley enacted um, comprehensive gun uh, gun reform, and the and and I think I believe the number was SB 281. Um, so let let me ask you about this, Andrew Naring. Uh, Senator Sanders was then um, asked. He he was said to have voted against the Brady Bill that mandated gun checks and waiting periods, and he said for a decade that. Um, you said – this is Anderson Cooper speaking he's, to, to Senator Sanders. He said that you said that holding, a gun, holding manu, gun manufacturers legally responsible for mass shootings is a bad idea, and now Senator Sanders is apparently reconsidering that. What was your take on the gun issue last night? Um, I, I mean it was just the obvious <clears throat> what, what Democrats are going to say mostly in regards to the gun control issues, but – you know, something that, you know, really piqued my interest and which I think is going to, you know, along with a sort of other aspects of Bernie Sanders, not just being a soapbox candidate, um, but, you know, in regards to his foreign policy and education and how much everything's going to cost. But something that he really, you know, got on to uh, Governor O'Malley about was the difference between rural states and urban states views on gun control. And, you know, I was really intrigued by that statement, considering, you know, Governor O'Malley said that he looked and cared for Western Maryland and Eastern Shore, as asking Senator Sanders if they've ever been there. But I think that it'll be interesting uh, in regard to this gun control debate, because we know most of what the, the Democrats are going to be saying on gun control. There might be some reasonable, you know, things that we can do to compromise, you know, but we'll never see Congress do that. But I think for Sanders, Senator Sanders should define that difference of what voters feel like in rural areas as compared to urban areas in a Democrat or Republican state, I think is something that should be for interpretation. Yeah, they had this cross-debate about uh, a rural state versus like a state of Maryland. And, you know, as we all know, Maryland has many rural areas. And, of course, uh, Aaron Salvatore, down where you are in North Carolina, I'm sure you have many rural rural areas as well. Um, And so... (laughs) They, they had this interesting de- – they, they all seem to have wanted to rush to be the least liked by the NRA. And, uh, you know, Sanders said he has a D-minus rating from the NRA, and um, he said that he supported a ban on assault weapons. He's always supported that. Uh, and over the years, he strongly avoided uh, – he strongly avoided instant background checks 
uh, doing away with the oh the, he was talking about the the gun show loophole. Um, so the candidates had this back and forth exchange, and it, and and then it went over between Senator Sanders and Martin O'Malley. Um, Martin O'Malley, Beth Rowland, in 2013, as we just said, he said he had to overcome a lot of opposition and the lead and the leadership of his own party to get gun control passed. And he said that we passed comprehensive gun safety legislation not by looking at pollings or looking at what the poll said. We actually did it. What's your take on Governor O'Malley's uh, uh, gun uh, his gun bill that passed in? Uh, in the Maryland General Assembly way back in 2013. Who are you asking that of, dear? I'm sorry, I was asking you, Beth. Go ahead. Oh, I, I didn't know where we were going. Um, uh, for, for Repeat where you were asking about O'Malley. His, his, uh, yeah, so, I didn't understand the question. Go no, 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 fair enough. I'm sorry, we're... Uh, <laughs> radio is always sometimes tough to, to interpret that, but nonetheless, Governor O'Malley passed comprehensive gun reform in 2013. It was called SB 281, and it was controversial. And do you think that Governor O'Malley would have a a record to run on and present that nationwide before the American people, and would they buy into it? Absolutely, and I think that's why you saw Bernie, um, our dear Bernie, backtracking that, realizing that he had been on the wrong side of the angels on this uh on this particular subject, and the tide is turning. We're very close to a tipping point if we haven't already reached it. And if it can be explained, and that's, again, the matter of Democrats communicating what we're about as a party, if it can be explained what gun control would actually mean, not the kind of lunacy that it's a sign, then I think, um, yeah, because I think people are fed up. Yeah, go ahead. Can I follow up on that a moment? Um, sure. Please. Yeah, well, gun control order consists of basically of expanded back, background checks. It's not about confiscation. Right. I, want to talk, I want to talk about O'Malley in Maryland. Um, O'Malley was a little disingenuous. He did not build consensus on the eastern shore or in western Maryland to get the bill through, good or bad. He, Montgomery, Prince George's, and Baltimore City rammed the bill through the legislature where 70% of the population is, and they ignored the people in western Maryland. And then on and on the eastern shore, you can, you yeah. know, um, the rural the rural delegates and the rural senators did not support it, and it's very unpopular. I live in Boonesboro now in Western Maryland. I know it's very unpopular out here. Mm-hmm. It's just the votes the votes are in the urban area in Maryland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, I'm oh sorry, well, ahead, I actually was um, a part of um, that was actually the first time I actually jumped headfirst into. Um, Maryland politics uh, when they were pushing the legislation um, through the counties. And here in Montgomery, um, what happened was, like, when you had um, the the presentations to um, our community, you know, unfortunately what happens is you have, like, a lot of the very loud um, and very passionate um, people who might not even live in the state come to, to, to block any sort of restrictions on what they call the Second Amendment. And I would right. love yeah. an opportunity to really but actually absolutely get, correct. But but and so that's the issue. Unfortunately, is like all these things are happening all at once. Each one of these situations, whether it's urban violence or you know mass shootings or what have you, these are all different issues. Um, right. And yes, we do have the right to bear arms. So like, what can our country do? What should our country do? What we need to do as a country um, without any of this. Um, 
you know, extremist um, stuff getting in the way. Yeah, I want to move mm-hmm. on. I want to skip. I want to skip down a little bit in the debate, and we'll come back. Uh, I'm going to go to you, Tim Boston, and this is a, a topic mm-hmm. that is near and dear to my heart because I would consider myself a Tenth Amendment activist and someone that supports um, leaving it up, just leaving it up to the states. And Aaron Salvatore, I think you and I would have a lot to agree on about federalism and states' uh, rights. Yeah, states' rights. Uh, Senator Sanders was asked last night um, about a measure in Nevada to legalize recreational marijuana on the 2016 ballot. And (laughs) they said that uh, you probably smoke marijuana. He said he smoked marijuana twice. It didn't work for him. And Tim Boston. um, Mm -hmm. Did he inhale? Yeah, yeah, did he inhale? (laughs) Senator Sanders said that he inhaled. Yeah. That's the point. Um, <laughs> he said, uh, "If he was a Nevada resident, how would you vote on this um, this this b- the the ballot bill about marijuana?" And he said he suspects he votes yes. Are Democrats coming around on libertarian principles of letting people do what the hell they want to do with their own bodies? You know, I think that this is a little bit more than, you know, making marijuana, making recreational marijuana, uh, you know, commercializing it or decriminalizing it, et cetera. I think this has a bigger question into if people, if they continue to do otherwise, you will continue to see the overcrowding of jails and, 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 and different issues that Everyone is seeing that this is being caused by this thing not just by, not being taken care of. Um, it could very well be controlled, just like it, like you see alcohol controlled. It could very well be controlled, right. just like you see cigarettes controlled. On the other hand, I do see some of. I've been talking to a lot of people about their concerns of you know it getting into the wrong hands of of, of children, et cetera, et cetera. But it, you know, it could definitely alcohol, cigarettes. Be, um, um, Right, exactly. You know, this isn't something that is just going to be you make one decision and you're not going to have any issues. But in the long run, would we, would the states or would the federal government benefit from making making um, recreational marijuana legal? And, you know, it appears that Senator Sanders agrees, and so do I. Well, first of all, I, I look at the Republican field, and many of the Republicans, including Chris Christie, who I hope that he drops out tomorrow from the race because he is an absolutely <laughs> worthless. He's a. He's, uh, do you well, know something don't, we don't know, Ryan? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. I. I. <laughs> if I did, I would talk about it. Um, <laughs> here's the thing, Chris Christie. I mean, he, he's talking about strengthening marijuana laws and putting more people in jail, and you know, there's one philosophy now. As a libertarian and as a Republican, a libertarian Republican, I thought one of the best moments last night was when some of the candidates really embraced uh, those sort of libertarian, limited government ideas as it as it relates to look marijuana legalization. And Aaron Salvatore, talk about let's talk about some marijuana legalization. Should it be legal, or should we continue with some of these drug laws? that continue to dr- destroy many lives, leaves kids with a, uh, a criminal record for the rest of their life for a nonviolent defense that are clogging up our court systems, that are hampering people from getting real-life skills, and leaving people in jail for being caught with a damn dime bag on the side of the street. Mm-hmm. Is that the right thing? Yeah. Amen. 
<laughs> that's what I'm spending I was just billions say. of dollars. I, I, I really feel about it. We're all in agreement that that's not. It should be at least be criminalized, if not legalized. I mean, no, but I'm, well, I mean, it's like, how are they gonna? Okay, the government should not. I mean, have any kind of rights over what you do in your personal life. Anything. I mean, the fact that you know there's such a war on drugs. I mean, it's it's just it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, go after the go after the murderers, the rapists. You know, I mean, so, I mean. Well, let me just ask a question. Do you want to fly in an airplane where the uh, pilot has been token on a J? I don't. And oh, I think are you comfortable with that? Well, I mean, I mean, that's yeah. 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 one person's right to or another person's right to start. So if you're, if you're yeah, token on exactly. a J on an airplane. Yeah, I mean, then that, you're, then you're endangering the lives of people, and it's not a victim Absolutely, of and I think that all that needs if to be factored in. If you look at what in. some of the police forces in Colorado have already said is the yeah. incidence of accidents, and I don't much care one way or another. I think it's a state's rights issue. But I'm listening to the people who are out in the front lines, and what I've gotten the feedback out of, out of Colorado is that it's not that simple. It's not A-OK because there oh, no, are it's people not on the roads driving no. cars. Just like there and is there, people on, there are people on the road driving, drinking, drinking as well. Alcohol, under, that doesn't mean we should add to that number. We don't deal with those <laughs> folks that drink and have issues well enough. I'm not prepared to take on another whole segment that's going to need but, some but, kind of help when we don't help what we already have. I'm just relaying what I've heard, and cops well, and don't like it. I think the data... The thing is, think, we're not saying just go ahead and let somebody take a pound of weed and sit in the middle of of of, of, of the street and, and smoke until they pass out. No one's saying that. That's why we said having it controlled, which means, of course, maybe, you know, the same way you can't just necessarily go and, and buy just crazy amounts of alcohol if you wanted to. There are definitely controls over everything. It, it, like I said, you're going to have your issues regardless. The question yeah. is, in long run, how will it impact? I mean, how 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 will it impact? Still, it just being this being this. Well, issue? I want to go back to the debate, and I appreciate this 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 crosstalk because it's important. And and Beth Rowland, just to quickly follow up, um, there's a lot. Oftentimes, and and what I don't understand with Republicans who claim that they are conservative, who claim that they support a liberty agenda, uh, and and Basically, keeping government the heck out of people's lives. I mean, this is this is what they espouse. This is what many Republicans espouse. There's one particular Republican where we're from, up in Western Maryland, and of course, you're not from there anymore. But you you live in Berkeley Springs. Mm-hmm. But there's one Republican, and we know who we're talking about. He's we'll just say yeah. the former opponent to Brian Poppenberger. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, this is a person that is using the gateway argument that it leads to greater drug usage, and that that there's no I mean this is a person who is completely inflexible about using yeah. medical marijuana facilities coming to places I think we all are in agreement and and all the democratic candidates were in agreement that medical marijuana they do support and I Absolutely. think this panel I, right. I Absolutely. I will share everything. something very personal with you. I, I have a brother who lost his life to cancer at a very young age. And his widow, who was one of the most wonderful young women in the world, used to have to go to Frederick, Frederick, Maryland, to score some marijuana. This is back before because it was the only thing that relieved my brother's 
sickness and nausea. So I'm talking 20 years ago. Actually, Woody died 15 years ago. Yeah, medical marijuana, absolutely. I don't even know why we're still talking about it. It's so self-evident um, yeah. and, and stuff. Uh-huh. My concern with recreational, I don't care. Make it legal if you want to. Go right ahead, tax the daylights out of it, and use it in education. My concern right. is we still do a very poor job of helping people. I see it in the panhandle here of West Virginia, and it was the same in Washington County as well, of helping people who have an alcohol problem. Yeah, so I'm unwilling absolutely. to take on. And the fact that people might drive drunk doesn't mean I want people driving stone, that that makes it okay. That's another layer. And right. I just think it's not been thought through clearly enough to, to be able to make it completely legalized. I do support decriminalization. It's absurd to throw people away for that sort of thing. But Absolutely. I think we need to open our eyes, and I don't think we take care of our own as is without adding another layer of problems. Very important point. I want to go back to Hillary Clinton. Last night, one of the defining moments in the debate was when they, when um, one of the moderators asked her about legalizing micro, uh, recreational marijuana. And she said, Let's see how it plays out in Colorado and Washington, which I think that's a fair position, and you're right. And it's been more than a year since she said that, and the moderator asked her last night, Liz Matori, this question is for you. She said – he said to Hillary Clinton, are you willing to take a position tonight? She said no. Do you think Hillary Clinton last night should have stated her position on legalized marijuana in the states? Uh, no, I think, is that the one that she said it's a, it's a state issue, or is it she doesn't want to take a position? I well, she said, this is what she said, and I'll read you her quote, and then I want you to comment. She said, no, I think that we have the opportunity through the states that are pursuing recreational marijuana to find out a lot more than we know today. I do support right, the yeah. use of medical marijuana, and I think even okay. there we need to do a lot more research so that we know exactly what we're going to help how we're going to help people from whom, for whom medical marijuana provides relief. So can you comment on that? Well, I believe that uh, uh, Secretary Clinton's uh, opinion is, um, or, or stance is, is actually, a, I would argue, a generational thing. Um, and, um, it's a, I mean, it's a, valid, it's a valid point that she has, and she has every right to, to dodge it. Um, she doesn't actually need to have an opinion because I don't know how far she is up on the polls. Um, but she, um, like she, she'll, fair point. I bet if she went, if, if she, if I don't think we're at that point state, I mean, countrywide for, um, for that. So it actually, her state, her answer is where the rest of the country actually is. Um, it's state to state, you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, yeah. I appreciate that. Ed Marks, I want to go to you. Uh, um, they talked to, we, Ed, you often talk about on your own Facebook about um, Republicans being obstructionist, and I think it's a fair point in some respect. I don't always agree with you, but nonetheless, Don Lemon asked. You would. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they talked about the Republican Party being obstructionist, and they asked the candidates how they're going to to work if they were getting elected. How they would work with potentially uh, a Republican Congress, and Ed. Was there a candidate last night that you believe would have the best opportunity to work with a Republican Congress? Um, that's a good question. Um, 
a lot of it would depend on how a Republican Congress was composed. Um, I don't think any of the Democratic candidates could work with the Freedom Caucus or the Tea Party people. They have an agenda, and they don't want to compromise. I mean, I think... I think probably Hillary would, in terms of compromising, would probably be the best candidate on that score. But the problem that I'm seeing is that it's fine if you oppose liberal answers or you oppose, but I'm not hearing... You can't be something with nothing. They don't like Obamacare. They don't like the immigration bill, but they're not really coming up with constructive alternatives to it, positive alternatives. These people are not Jack Kemp. They're not coming up with with, 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 with novel proposals to include people or to address the problems. They simply want to say no. So if people say no, then none of the candidates would work. But I think Hillary and both Hillary and Bill have had experience working with the GOP, and they, so probably she would be the best one of the candidates running to do that. Um, Jim Webb could, but he's too far out of step with the Democratic Party to be viable. But do you think that someone like Jim Webb, who is perceived more as a moderate, would be able to, if he were to be elected president and win, the, or first win the nomination and then be elected president, do you think that he would be a, a better able to reach across the aisle to Republicans and actually come together and have consensus and build um, from the inside out and develop sound public policy? Um. No. <laughs> yes, I, th- okay. I, I think. Says, no. I, 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 I think that in the sense that he comes from his background is from a rural, more Republican-oriented area. He's a man from Southwest Virginia. I think he could. The problem is that even with Jim Webb, there has to be some give on both sides. I mean, I think yeah. I think he can speak their language. So Let me, yeah, I mean that, that that is one plus in his corner. Let's move on. I want to talk about the NSA question that they got. Anderson Cooper uh, asked Governor Shafee and Hillary Clinton. He said that both of them voted for the Patriot Act, Patriot Act, which created the NSA surveillance program. He said, you've emphasized civil liberties and privacy during your campaign, but are those two things in conflict? Aaron Salvatore, should the NSA be, should the NSA be spying on us? And who would be the best person who is running for president currently, to stop illegal spying on American citizens. Hell no. The NSA should not be spying on on the American citizens. (laughs) Um, The only person, of course, in my opinion, to to stop the NSA is Rand Paul. Um, (laughs) I mean, you know, know, it's just... Yeah, no, I don't know. Listen, this is Lincoln Shapey's response, which I think was yeah. actually a fair response. Um, he said that he doesn't regret his vote. He said, as long as you get a warrant. I believe that no. <laughs> under the Fourth Amendment, you should be able to do surveillance, but you need a warrant. That's what the Fourth Amendment says. And in the Patriot Act, mm-hmm. Section 215, it started to get broadened too far. So Lincoln Shapey said he would be in favor of addressing and reforming Section 215 of the Patriot Act. Andrew Nairing, is has the Patriot Act gone too far, and do you think that the Democrats on stage last night would halt the illegal spying on American citizens? Um, I do think the Patriot Act has gone too far. I mean, like you said, the, the Fourth Amendment gives everybody a reasonable expectation of privacy, and I think... You know, there are certain things we post online that are public, but there are still things that we all expect to be private as well. 
um, even if we go to measures to, to safeguard that, which the NSA and these data collections and metadata programs are just rapidly collecting. But I, I, I can't speak specifically for a candidate that would want to, you know, dismember this, uh, this policy. But I believe that uh, the candidates that were up there, um, they do uh, disagree with, you know, this, this type of uh, over-collection, over-spying on our citizens, how they would go Andrew, about that. Andrew, you still that. there? Uh, yeah, I'm still here. Can you hear me? Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Ryan, can you hear me? I can uh-huh. hear you. Okay, perfect. I can hear you. Um, okay, but, you know, as, as to say that uh, a candidate, specifically what policy they named, I, I don't know what they could do, but I think that they all kind of have a general consensus that what the NSA currently is doing with the Patriot Act, with PRISM, with the metadata that they're collecting, I think that any American should want that to at least come to a reasonable halt, and there there should be some compromise, you know, to make sure that we are safe, but also by not intruding on our privacy as well. Hello. 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 Hey. Hello. Okay. <laughs> I just heard dead silence. I, I wanted to make sure. I, did I, did I, everybody I hear missed, what I said? No, yes. I missed like I did. two minutes Hello? worth of stuff. Yeah, oh, it pretty much cut out. Yeah, I'm oh. sorry. My internet connection was being a little wacky. Andrew, do you want to repeat your point? Oh, yeah, no. sure. I'll uh, I'll try to generalize what I was saying again. Technology. Um, the NSA yeah. is spying on me right now. They, they, they turned it off yeah. because they didn't like what we were saying. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I, I can't speak specifically to what each candidate would do uh, policy. I don't know what's yeah, happening. This type of okay. metadata collection, the of privacy that the NSA is doing. I think that there is a reasonable way to, to stop that, which is what they want to do. Uh, I think so. And I think that, you know, there's also uh, a way that we can have privacy and have safety. And uh, how we go about that, we don't know yet. But I think that the Democratic candidates up there kind of have that general consensus that something does need to be done. Fair point. I want to talk about, let's talk about in some specifics of uh, best worst moments last night, and let's go. This is going to be a rapid fire ses- session for the next uh, let's see, 20 minutes we have until 9:30 because I know Beth Rowland is probably getting sleepy. <laughs> so, uh, so Beth Rowland, let's speaking of which, let's start with you. What do you think? One of the uh, was a couple of the better moments and bad moments from last night. Uh, I I would say that for for me, best moment, I think I'm not even unusual this, was Bernie being honorable and saying what so many Americans think, enough with the damn emails, you know, let's get over it. I thought that was honorable. I thought that was respectful. Um, And it carried on. Uh, Worst moment, you know, I dearly love our Bernie, and I think Bernie is the conscience of the Democratic Party. I think he's important, but I still think so many times he reminds me of like that angry old man that yelling at kids to like get off his lawn, you know, on the corner house. Um, he just, it's like, Bernie, I love you, but I, I don't think I could take eight years of you yelling at me. Um, and, and so, but I do think he's important, but there were times where I thought, I, I actually picked up on the, whoever said earlier, the body language stiffening, um, when he was going to yep. be questioned on capitalism. He didn't seem very yep. fluid and relaxed about that. You know, I felt a number of times I just kind of ached for Lincoln Chafee. I thought he was just embarrassing. He shouldn't have been up there in the first place. Um, 
best moments. Frankly, I thought the whole bleeding debate was the best moment. I'm very okay. proud to be a Democrat. I'm very proud that those are the people out there. I think Amen. Hillary will be our next president. Um, okay. And I think this is all helping the Democratic Party by having these other elements, like a Jim Webb, all the way to a Bernie Sanders, to be the conscience of this party. Okay. Wow. Oh, great comments. Ed Marks, what do you think the best and worst moments of the debate were last night? Well, um, it, I think there were two best moments. I think I've already mentioned. I agree certainly that Bernie basically, I'm sick of the damn emails too. Hearing about oh, the damn emails too was a very nice way of reaching out to Hillary and just for a moment at least having the bonding. And I did, I did like the way Jim Webb sidestepped the question about. Um, Bernie's patriotism could he lead the country because he was once a conscientious objector. No, that was um, good. Because they're two very yeah. opposite men. The worst moment had to be um, when Lincoln Chafee said, I didn't know the hell what I was doing or what I was voting on when I got up there. <laughs> yeah. He, then he said yeah, it was like, like, it was sad because it's like his dad died and he didn't, you know, he 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 had he didn't have spare change or so. I don't know. It was just silly. <laughs> <laughs> I got vanilla ice cream instead of chocolate. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 you know. Uh, it I would snows. say there were, there were not a lot of bad moments up there. I mean, some of the candidates were stiff or defensive at points, but I think, you know, they all carry themselves respectfully and like adults, and, you know. Okay. All right. Very very fair points. Aaron Salvatore, what do you think some of the best and worst moments were from last night? Uh, honestly, the whole thing was just painful for me to watch. Like, <laughs> it really was. Like, it was just terrible. Um, I, there was no best moments for me. I mean, okay. the worst moments, like, it was talking about, I mean, I got to disagree about the whole email thing. I mean, I strongly disagree with that. I mean, she... You think that's an she issue? She to be in prison for, is what I believe, Hillary for prison 2006. Oh, for heaven's sake, that's absolutely <laughs> absurd. I'm sorry. I just want okay. to say <laughs> But anyway, like, um, I don't know, that and the whole Chafee incident was, you know, sidestepping why he voted, you know, to repeal Glass-Steagall. And, yeah, he fell down yeah. the stairs. He bumped his and, head, grew a I beard. Mean, the the whole thing and then and then Sanders saying that the biggest threat he feels is global warming and I mean it's just I don't know it's okay. just, it was a circus. All right, Tim Boston, what was your favorite moment of last night and maybe the best and worst? Oh man, um, just like the previous person said that I, I can't say that there was a long list of favorites or or best. I can tell you that it was a mix in between favorite and worst when standing, sitting there watching uh, Jim Webb going, pick me, pick me. No, 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 it's my turn. It's my turn. And I, I, I found that to be like, you know, what am I watching, the debate or the Rugrat show from Nickelodeon? Like I, I found that to be like, you know, that, you know, so that, that kind of, I chuckled a little bit, but then that also bothered me. And then as the other people have said, you know, about, Bernie Sanders kind of reaching out a little bit to Hillary saying, you know, let me help you out a little bit. People are tired of hearing about the emails. But on the flip side, you know, I'm tired of hearing about it because I'm look I want I want to see something done about it, okay? She admits that she did something wrong, okay, and I, I just I don't wanna hear, oops, I'm sorry and then just move right along. I don't wanna hear that. I wanna hear, yeah, I'm sorry and here is 
here's here's the accountability that I have. Here's the consequence yeah. that I have. Um, there's no way in God's green earth, as long as Hillary Clinton has been involved directly or indirectly in politics, that she did not know when she was sending those emails whether or not there was going to be an issue with that. I mean, come on. Yeah. There's she no way that she didn't know that. <laughs> absolutely. So there's, there's absolutely nothing transparent about that. Uh, you know, I definitely had an issue with Okay. I definitely All right. had an issue with um, Martin O'Malley. It's almost like he was pushing himself to crack a tear or uh, crack a tear when he began talking about the issues in Baltimore, and you know he got really serious, and his his forehead got kind of like uh, wrinkled up a little bit. I found that to be very rehearsed and 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 mm. and, and just okay. really really fake. I, I did not find him to be very sincere last night at all. Um, okay. But as you know, as the other caller said, there there was not. I, Clearly, the Republican debate was the best of the two. I'm just saying. Okay. All right. Well, let's move. God. Let's keep. Let's keep moving, going forward here. Uh, Liz I heard Vittori, Ed. <laughs> Liz Vittori, uh who knows a thing or two about some debates. Uh, let Let me ask you. What do you What do you think? What was the best and worst moment uh, in your opinion? Right. So, um, you know, as a former Democrat, I do think substantively we talked about a lot of the things that our country is dealing with in this um, debate as opposed to the previous ones. The other the other ones, maybe because of the amount of people that are running, was all about personality, but this one was actually about some of the issues. Um, in reference to Bernie Sanders' statement on climate change, actually what he, the point that he's trying to make, and he didn't make it fully, is that because of um, the places that are hotter, it's getting even hotter, and resources like water are becoming a lot more scarce. And so that's actually going to happen in the next 50 years. There's just going to be more stress, um, and so therefore more conflict. Um, he didn't quite bring it all the way back. I also think about the negative thing about um, Anderson Cooper was that, you know, the one time that the 1%, 2% um, of the vote candidates had an opportunity to speak to the national audience, um, he really didn't pay attention to them. I think he was too focused on uh, Bernie and Hillary. Um, personally, I don't think they need more press, but if you're supposed to be, you know, opening the debate um, for people to learn more about the candidates, you should have been a little, little bit more respectful um, of particularly uh, um, Senator Webb. Yeah, he kind of, he did sound like he was whining, but uh, unfortunately he was making the point that Anderson has was actually, in fact, um, not paying attention to um, number five and six, uh, four. Okay. Fair, fair point. Uh, Andrew Naring, what do you think? Uh, best and worst moment of the debate? Um, well, my worst moment might be a little twofold here. Um, you know, we heard okay. a lot of the candidates speaking about uh, free tuition, you know, less yeah, war, gun controls, et cetera, take more from the wealthy. But, you know, a lot of them failed to actually tell us how they are going to do that concretely. And I think that would have been vitally important to the American voters to actually hear that. Um, also, you know, in regards to this, uh, pandering by Bernie Sanders about the emails. You know, I, I think the emails are a very important issue. And mm -hmm. I think just scapegoating it away from as a political witch hunt because of what one person, Kevin McCarthy, said he wasn't even on the committee, I think is just it, it's irrelevant. Because, you know, I, I read an op-ed from Trey Gowdy in USA Today. I don't know if anybody else here did. Oh, for um, heaven's sake, how can you... But it was phenomenal. <laughs> Hold on, man. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me speak here. Um, okay. Uh, because, you know, that committee has interviewed 41 new witnesses. 
seven of them were eyewitnesses, 50,000 new documents from the ambassador and from the Secretary of State. This is a legitimate inquiry, you know, because (laughs) either right now, uh, I believe that's Beth, uh, you are satisfied with an incomplete investigation, or you just might be unconvinced. You had a bipartisan report that was to be the end all. This is Republican dirty trick. You have a bipartisan report to the public record. Is that that's that's what I'm trying to say here? The the other report did failed to interview all of these brand new witnesses. They failed to get fifty thousand new documents, and they failed to legitimately answer the inquiry's question. And what is that happened? And we have failed to answer that. So this is un, this is an unsatisfied inquiry. It hasn't been completed, and it seems that the public record at least needs to know what happened. We are owed that to the American people because I think the, gonna, the most, the most transparent administration is not transparent. Yeah, the I mean, Republicans I cut, cut security for the embassy. That certainly didn't help. They shouldn't. Have I mean, Nixon would be a would be a saint today by by today's standards, and you guys vilified him for spying on that. This this is exactly. gross misconduct. All I right, wish let's that, keep moving. I, I want to move on to administration on Hillary as they were Petraeus. That's all. Okay, let's keep going. Um, I wanted to bring up a few points, and we'll go to another rapid fire. We have about 10 minutes, and by the way, you guys are great. This is engaging. It's a lot of fun, and I really appreciate your time. You could have been doing anything else on your Wednesday night, and you chose to spend it with me, little old me. And uh, hey. so here's, here's, what, um, here's, what I'm, here's what I'm reading, and I've read some analysis of the debate, and I don't agree with some of it, but um, – and this question is more engineered toward the Democrats on our panel this evening. So do you guys think that there was a lack of diversity up there last night? Absolutely. I, I, absolutely. I, well, go ahead, Ed, and I'll, I'll, you go first. Yeah, go ahead. Me? Yeah, Ed. So, you. Um, <laughs> I think the full range of Democratic Party opinion was represented up there. I think it was, it was, I think it was a diverse group of people, different styles different approaches to public policy. Certainly most of them were left to center. Um, but um I certainly there wasn't as much demographic diversity as should have been, but in terms of public public policy perspectives I thought there was. Okay. Um some people suggest- Yeah, I would I would have to agree too. I think that the points of view were represented that's important. And the differences in the Democratic Party, if you want that diversity, you have a free and open way of 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 acquiring it, you can be a candidate. I get very tired of people say I don't see diversity. He said, were you up there on that podium? If you want to whine about diversity, you get up there yourself. Yeah, Liz, go ahead. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I left the Democratic Party. Um, when you mm-hmm. go farther up in the Democratic Party, um, yeah. they aren't really about diversity for for the good of the order. They're really there for the vote. Um, and um, quite honestly, I, I wish that more people of color and, and even poor people um, were more swing um, and would allow either party or um, any candidate to really make the case um, that would make um, their lives better as opposed to just the default going to vote for Democrats. Um, yeah, I would agree with you, but I see a well, next generation we, coming. The, the Democratic candidates did talk about how to make people's lives better. What I am articulating is that that is the routine, and I would argue 
the reason why we have more poverty and more uh, polarization in our society is because of the ultra-democratic policies that were placed to stifle progress with people as opposed to just, you know, making sure that people have the economic, um, um, you know, uh, fortitude. They just, unfortunately, I have to admit that our liberal policies actually made us worse off. Okay, um, actually, so, the reactionary Republicans and the fact they adapt to a changing society and they want to protect a few wealthy people and, and, and oh, want to exclude on. people from participating in American society is why there's uh, there is there is polarization in our society. You yeah, can listen but to the, them talk and let them condemn but, everybody that doesn't the, vote for them. And got, the playoff but I, one group against another. I, I don't understand That's why people assume right. that the, the, the Democratic Party is just as rich as the Republican Party. Like, I mean, except for the the super PAC and the ultra power that super PACs have, the Democratic Party can raise money. Um, Like, you know, with any corporation, the president will give it to the Republicans, the vice president will give it to the Democrats to hedge their bets. The same coin, two different sides of the coin. Let me jump in. Bernie Sanders is accepting no contributions from any PACs or any Uh, corporations. That is true. That is true, Ed. I want to jump in here as a point of personal privilege of the moderator. Um, So uh, I'll give you my favorite moments. And my favorite moment, um, this is more of a broad generalization, was the congeniality among the candidates that just wasn't there with the Republicans. I felt like... Even though that I disagreed with many of their positions, they were respectful. They were courteous. You can tell that they absolutely did not hate one another, or they weren't they weren't ready to they weren't ready to fire back with a quip in response to a certain candidate. They talked about policy, and that was important for the American people to hear and to understand. And now we talked about a lot of policy on the Democrat on the, the Republican debates. But last night, I felt actually relaxed watching it. I wasn't like, oh, no, what's going to happen, or I don't want to cover my eyes. Um, another, great moment was when they, <laughs> another great moment last night was when they were talking about the NSA, when they talked about civil liberties, and when they talked about Edward Snowden and spying. And uh, it, 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 it made me feel like, look – Libertarian principles, and this is – I'm just speaking from my perspective, that the liberty agenda is not limited to just a party. If people go out and embrace some of these ideas that libertarians are supporting – and I, I'm taking a, a total leniency here with my own partisan beliefs. I think it was important. I think that there was common ground to be found, and um, Absolutely. I, I think Absolutely. That some, and there was some policy that really can cross over. So last night, and I'll I'll kick this off as we go into the last three minutes, and we got to make this quick. So please make your comments pithy. Um, who my my thoughts were: who won the debate last night, who and who lost? So let me start out. Who lost the debate? Clearly, Lincoln Shafe. There's no the, yeah. the, the guy, there's no reason why he should be on the stage. Who won the debate? That's close. The heart and soul of the Democratic Party belongs to the Elizabeth Warren and the Bernie Sanders wing. To me, Bernie mm-hmm. Sanders Bernie Sanders represented many of the Democratic ideals. For me, Bernie won the debate last night. So rapid fire, Absolutely. Andrew Aaron, who won the debate last night and who lost? I'd, I'd have to agree uh, with you, Bernie. Um, I think to... it's, a, it's a toss-up between Bernie and, and 
Hillary. I think Hillary uh, escaped pretty well from some of the questions that she was asked, but unscathed. I, I think, I think, yeah, unscathed exactly. Uh, yeah. I, I would say, um, I hate to even say one of them was a winner, uh, but uh, I would, I would have to say Bernie was because you know Hillary still has a lot of struggles and a lot of baggage to carry behind her, and I think Bernie is sort of resurging off of that, even if you know her campaign is touting. Uh, but okay. in regards to who lost. I think Webb and Schaefer are relevant, so uh, my loser is O'Malley. <laughs> Liz Matori, winners and losers. Uh, losers, unfortunately, uh, Chafee. That was embarrassing. And um, I'm just going to root for the home team just because. Um, governor O'Malley, I think it was really wonderful to see our governor up there, but, you know, I'm a little biased. Fair point. Ed Marks, <laughs> winners and losers. Um, loser was Chafee, as I've said before. The winner was Bernie because Bernie communicated that exactly what it is he believes in. He didn't trim his sales. There were no lawyerly answers, and he showed basically, you know, and, and he basically backs, and he showed people he backed up his beliefs with his actions. So for me, Bernie won the debate. Very good. Thanks, Ed. Aaron Salvatore, winners and losers from last night. Well, definitely Chafee. <laughs> Chafee, Chafee, you know, he, he shouldn't have even been up there, but um, yeah. but I'd have to agree that Bernie Sanders, um, I think he got it. Last night. Okay, fair enough. Beth Rowland, winners and losers from last night. Biggest winner, American people. You have a clear choice. They have a clear choice. They saw issues discussed and positions discussed. I mean, losers, I I don't know. I don't look at it that way. But I think the American people won because they got very good information on candidates, and I think the Democratic Party won. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, Tim- Timothy Boston, winners and losers, quickly. I think that Bernie Sanders definitely won the debate last night. As so many others have said, Mr. Webb, Chaffee, and Martin O'Malley, to me, they were just there. Um, and I, I really, I, I'm still having a hard time with Hillary. I really don't even know if I could say that she lost, but she definitely was not the winner of the debate. Um, so, yeah, clearly Bernie Sanders won the debate. The other three were just, you know, like I said, Hillary was, she she's kind of in between. Um, the other three were just pretty much there. Okay, well, uh, we we we're we're at a consensus that Bernie did pretty well. Hillary, you know, maybe a cl- uh, in, in in second place, and then of course the the rest of the three were just inconsequential. But um, or you know, and Liz said Martin O'Malley, and O'Malley had a, a pretty decent closing statement. In all fairness, so panel, we are at twenty seven seconds left. I want to thank you, Andrew Naring, uh, Liz Matori, Ed Marks. Aaron Salvatore, Beth Rowland, and Timothy Boston for your time, for your commitment, for your love of politics. We share this passion, and we only want to make America really great again. So, Really, really great. <laughs> thank you all. All right. Thank you, guys. You have a great evening. God bless. Take care. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. Thanks, Ryan. Bye-bye. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.